One thing I do like to ask patients and discuss with them is when were you last well? Because a lot of patients can pick out a time when things may be shifted. So for example, say someone went on a camping trip and they came back with a bullseye rash and that's when they knew they were that the fatigue started then. So maybe we start thinking Lyme disease infections, things like that. Um, so, and I encourage patients to dig deep and really reflect back to when were they last well? What shifts happened at that time? And you may be able to figure out for yourself, okay, this is what I was doing that kind of made that difference. Do you find yourself tired even after a long night of sleep? Do you feel like you're always running on empty? If you resonate with these questions, you won't want to miss today's conversation with our amazing integrative and functional physician assistant, E.J. Meany. I am Dr. Andrew Wong, co-founder of Capital Integrative Health. This is a podcast dedicated to transforming the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding and exploring the root causes of both disease and wellness. Today's guest, EJ, was inspired to practice as a holistic provider that combines the best of conventional and integrative care after watching those close to her transform their own health by supporting their body's own innate healing powers. EJ practices integrative primary care and functional medicine in our clinic at Capital Integrative Health and supports our patients in addressing conditions including fatigue, hormone imbalance, detox issues, irritable bowel syndrome, and much more. Join us today for a deep dive conversation about fatigue and what you can do to get your energy back again. Welcome EJ to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. So EJ, you've been at the practice for two years now providing integrative primary care, doing an amazing job. And for those of who may not be familiar with your story, would you mind telling us about what motivated you to get into integrative health? Yeah, definitely. So my experience with integrative medicine definitely started when I was pretty young. Um, my family kind of ingrained to me that sleep, nutrition, other lifestyle factors were synonymous with health. Um, I was thinking about this question and my parents, when we were younger, they used to take nori and roasted pumpkin seeds and they'd wrap the nori up like a cone and put the pumpkin seeds in it, called it ice cream cones. So growing up, those were the ice cream cones. Sounds that we delicious. Had. Yes, it is really good, actually. Um, but what motivated me to, you know, kind of get into more integrative medicine when I was in PA school is kind of when I first started to realize um, before my experience was hospital, emergency based medicine. So I thought naturally that's where I was headed. Um, but I will never forget sitting in pharmacology, learning about hyperlipidemia, talking about statins. And, you know, it was the numbers are this level. You prescribe statins. And I remember at that point being like, there's got to be more. There has to be more to this. So that's when I really started exploring, you know, looking for an integrative practice. And by an amazing series of events, I ended up here at Capital Integrative yes, Health. Yes, I'm so happy to have you here. Yes. And definitely medicine is more than algorithms and thinking inside the box. There's some room for that, but certainly there's a lot of room outside of that box, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of a wider, you know net of you know treatment and options and things so today uh speaking of big topics we want to talk about a big topic today that many people struggle with which is fatigue you know people are kind of coming into our clinic and we see people that even after like a couple cups of coffee they're like oh, i feel really <laughs> tired still or eight hours of sleep you know still tired yes. how often do you see patients with fatigue and uh what are some of the classic signs that you find 
Yeah, so this fatigue is really common. I think anyone you talk to has experienced fatigue at some point in their lives, whether this is something acute or more chronic that they're dealing with. Um, and as a clinician, fatigue can be a really difficult diagnosis, and I think as a patient can also be really frustrating. Um, so it's really important to find a provider who's ready to work with you to really dig deep and understand what, what's going on and what underlying causes may be impacting your fatigue. Um, in terms of some of the classic signs, there can be a lot of different signs that present, but some of the most common, um, daytime sleepiness, feeling exhausted, um, brain fog is one big I'll see a lot of, so either mental clarity, unable to focus at the task at hand, or um, just feeling scattered brain, I think would be the other thing. Um, it can present as muscle pain, joint pain, um, inability to recover from exercise, things like that. Um, one thing that I wanted to say, though, is the symptom that occurs, so fatigue, is a sign to us. It's a sign to our body that something's not right, and we need to honor that. So, you know, say that your body is fighting a chronic infection, something like Lyme, um, your body is going to use fatigue as a sign that you need to slow down because it's trying to protect the immune system. So really listening to our bodies is key during this time. So fatigue is something that is a symptom, and, and as you said, there's many root causes, many lifestyle factors, many underlying causes as well besides lifestyle, but it sounds like if we honor our bodies and listen to our bodies, then, then we, can, we can slow down and, and really allow our bodies to heal. Yeah, it's such a big part. And in today's world, that is, I think, one of the hardest things in having that conversation with patients because our lives are so go, go, go. But maybe what our body needs in that moment is really that slow down moment. Yeah, I wonder if, too, it's kind of like if we're on the highway and it's like 55 miles an hour or 65 or yeah. 70, you know, and then our body's saying, well, you need to go down to 25, but we're on this like 70 mile per hour lane. Everything's moving that Everything's fast. Everything's moving that yep, fast, you absolutely. know. Absolutely. How do you advise patients to kind of slow down and, you know, get off that highway onto some, you know, more natural path that's a little slower there to, yeah. to honor their bodies? Yeah, absolutely. So this it's a big question. I think it's very patient specific. Um, I love talking with patients to see, you know, where are the areas of give? So maybe that's making a chart right now of things that are giving you energy versus what is depleting you and how can we kind of compare those things and where can we make some adjustments in order to improve that? That's a great idea. And we also talk about lifestyle as a big cause of of both energy and fatigue. Yes. Let's delve into Absolutely, that. yes. So lifestyle is by far the fundamental thing when it comes to fatigue that I talk with patients about. So what does lifestyle include? So there's a few different things, um, and we, we'll dive into these a little bit more, but sleep, nutrition, stress management, relationships, movement and nature are some of the big ones. One that I want to add in specifically is definitely screen time. And this has become way more of an issue, especially in the last two years that more people are working from home, spending way more time behind their screens. I actually read a report that the average person spends about eight hours behind either a phone or computer screen. So definitely, you know, if you know you're working eight hours a day behind the computers, take those mornings and evenings away from the devices because it'll honor, it'll help your health, definitely. Yeah, so I think the idea is that when we look at screens for that long, it might be actually detrimental to our energy. Is that correct? It is an energy drainer for several reasons. Um, one, just the monotony of staring at the screen. It can deplete not only energy, but you can feel mood changes as well with that. 
Um, also, we know that it can impact cortisol, which is a big thing that can come into fatigue as well. Mm-hmm. It can stress out the, mm-hmm. the cortisol, the adrenal system. Yes, exactly. Great. Um, and on the lifestyle factors, kind of if you would get into a little bit more of that. Yeah, definitely. So exploring those lifestyle factors a little bit deeper, I think sleep is definitely one of the big ones. So what is the quality of your sleep look like? And are you prioritizing sleep right now? Yeah. Um, If you find that you are and there's still a lot of daytime sleepiness or fatigue, especially when you wake up, I would definitely talk with your practitioner about looking into doing a sleep study. Um, Sleep studies can reveal a lot, even if you're not snoring. Um, We do find patients can still have underlying issues with sleep apnea or upper airway resistance syndrome. Do you feel that people view sleep as a barrier to productivity and doing stuff? In other words, sometimes... I wonder if people are not wanting to sleep subconsciously because there's so much on their plate and they're so focused on doing, 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 they don't understand that sleep in and of itself is an active healing process. Yes, it is so active. So many things are happening in your body while you sleep. Um, To restore, specifically today, talking about fatigue, your energy, those mitochondria um, of your cells, which we can talk a little bit more about. Um, But yes, sleep is a very active process. So I have this conversation a lot, especially um, parents with young kids. They find that the night is the only time they really have to for themselves. Um, But it's it's really important to make it a priority. Absolutely. How many people do you find when you test them for sleep apnea? Um, end up having sleep apnea. We know that that's, that's yeah. a big you know, deal here. So. so for most patients that we test, it's very rare that I see a normal test. So most patients range from somewhere from upper airway resistance syndrome to mild forms to all the way up to more severe. Um, but a lot of times it is something that we see very commonly. Yeah, yeah, so it's a big one. How about nutrition? How does nutrition and food play a role in yes. energy? Yes, yeah, so nutrition and gut health is huge. Um, so we know that from the food that we eat, there are nutrients that we get that are really important to fuel our cells. Um, so think of it to your cells, kind of if we make the analogy to a car, we could say um, you have an engine and in that car you add gas and oil and you do lots of maintenance to make sure that car runs well. You do regular maintenance. So I want you to think of your body in the same way that doing that regular maintenance is really important. Um, So in our own bodies, we have our own engines and they're called mitochondria that live in our cells. Um, And those mitochondria need a few different things, but one of them is the micronutrients that come from our food. So some of those may look like magnesium, your B vitamins, CoQ10, amino acids like carnitine. Uh, So the first question I always ask people, are you eating real food? What does that look like? The second part to this also is, are you absorbing the food that you're eating? So we know that there can be infections in the gut or issues with digestive capacity that can impact the ability of you to absorb and break down those nutrients. Thank you. How about iron deficiency and iron deficiency anemia? How often do you find that in your patients? Yeah, so I think it depends on the patient, but it is something that we will commonly find. We... That's one of our baselines that we test for here. And often it's not something people may test for up front, but it is really important to look at because iron is really important to support those, the health of the cells, mitochondria, and give you energy. So for all those listeners out there and they say, well, what kind of di- EJ, what kind of diet should I be on <laughs> uh, to help my energy? Uh, yeah. what, what would you say to that? Yes, absolutely. So I think real food is my biggest thing. I'm, I'm not a nutritionist by training, but what I found is that nutrition is one of the most confusing topics out there. Yes. Um, and often when patients 
start working with me, that is one place that they find very confusing, that there's a lot of information. So I tend to tell patients, eat real food. Is this something that came from nature, or did it come from a package? Um, outside of that, I think balancing those macronutrients, so really focusing more on the protein and fats and maybe a little less carbohydrates. Now, this can vary patient to patient, but that's generally kind of my rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would add with nutrition is water intake, which yes. we often don't think about, but getting enough water in a day is so important to properly fuel your body. Um, so typically, I tell patients half of your body weight in ounces should be your rule of thumb. A little different depending on if you're sweating. Um, eating other foods that are high in water content. Great. Thank you so much. Let's talk about movement a bit. Yes. And yeah. uh, we can call it exercise. We can call it movement. We can call it activity. How do you feel about movement and the ability to kind of uh, overcome fatigue with that? Yeah. So this can be really challenging because patients with fatigue feel like it's really hard to get moving is the first part of that, that they don't even have the energy to get to that point. So it's really, you know, evaluating where the patient's at and starting at that point. Uh, movement is so essential, though, because it actually gives us energy, which we often don't think about. I am really big on movement across the entire day. So a lot of times, um, you know, especially in school, we talked a lot about exercise. You know, are they exercising 30 to 60 minutes a day? You know, what does that look like? But I find that patients do so much better with movement throughout the entire course of the day, and that helps them sustain good energy. Um, so that may look like little small things, you know, doing 50 jumping jacks or 10 squats, going out for a quick walk for a few minutes. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. So Yeah, don't have to dress up in fancy clothes, yes. go to the gym and well, that could do that. Fun. Yes, absolutely. Would be fun. Yes. And I do like, you know, with those things, it does create a sense of community around some relationships mm -hmm. there, which is Good. huge. The one thing, I, other thing I do want to say about exercise is that sometimes I find that patients push themselves too hard when it comes to really intense, maybe strength training or cardiac to cardio exercises. So just being really in touch with your body and evaluating, is this exercise too stressful for me to do right now? Mm -hmm. How about, yeah, what do you think about working with a trainer or physical therapist? Uh, yeah, that's that such a great idea. We're really lucky here to have Dr. Hiza, who I know has been on the podcast before. Um, but any PT or kind of trainer is great because they'll help kind of guide what direction may be good for you, what movements may be best for your body. So let's talk about thoughts and mindset. You know, we yes. know that thoughts can heal, thoughts can yep. harm in theory. So what are your thoughts? Uh, sort of feelings about thoughts in general and then thoughts related to how that affects someone's energy. Yeah, so absolutely. So I think just one thing to say is stress. There's no shortage of stress, and there's no way we're ever going to be able to completely avoid stress. So it all comes down to how are we going to manage that stress. Um, and that stress may look like external things or it may be internal things, like you said, thoughts. Um, so my approach for this generally, I like to see you know, one where patients are at. I think positive thinking has so many benefits in healing, especially when it comes to something that's as complex as fatigue. Um, patients with more positive outlook on their diagnosis and where they're headed tend to be able to stick with treatment plans better and ultimately get the results that they want. Um, so it can be tricky. I love using all of our resources, health coaching. It may be working with some type of therapist, psychologist, social worker um, to really dig deep and understand what's going on there. Yeah. Sometimes there's trauma, too, that can yes. be part of that uncovered, and that could be a big um, impediment. And then once that once that's removed, that yeah. obstacle's removed, then they can kind of start their healing journey yes, a bit more. Yes, absolutely. That's great. Um, 
Besides that, uh, what other kind of root causes of fatigue would you say uh, could be kind of giving us an overview of what, what you're thinking yeah. if someone's coming so in? So one more thing I wanted to say relationship-wise yes, is really, important. really important for healing, especially with something with fatigue that can be really hard to get jump-started to get into that. All of these things that we're talking about, they're hard. It's hard to make lifestyle changes. Um, so having that accountability or that relationship is so key. And in two different ways I think about this. So one is that relationships can be either very restorative or draining. So just looking at the relationships you have right now, there are some people you hang out with and you're like, I feel motivated. I want to go out and make that change. And other people who will suck the life out of you a little bit. Right, yeah. right. It's that, it's that saying, right? We are the average of the five people we hang yes, out with the most. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. kind of what it is. So, you know, finding people in our lives that, that will be restorative or regenerative, yep. you know, with you versus like someone that's going to take away that energy. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then huge. the other parts of this is the accountability. So having yeah. someone there that you can lean on to support you to check in mm-hmm. as you're trying to make these adjustments and changes. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we also need to talk about nature, you know, yes, yeah, yeah, the greatest yeah. healer <laughs> likely is going to be getting outdoors and you know, smelling the pine trees and, you know, watching the birds and stuff. So so let's talk about nature a bit. And, you know, are we kind of suffering in our society right now from a nature deficit disorder? Absolutely. Yes. Most of us spend more time inside than we do outside. I know some patients I talk to some days don't get outside at all, which is tough. Um, I think it comes down to a couple of different things I think about with fatigue. So one is air quality. Um, We know that indoor air quality is really poor um, in a lot of places. So getting outside, it produces, has that good oxygen, which we know we need to feel those mitochondria that we mentioned earlier. Um, The other piece of this is we know nature is very restorative. It releases happy hormones like dopamine um, that can make our power our brains and give us that boost that we need. Um, And sunlight is the other big thing. So I talk a lot with patients about sleep, but sunlight is a really important part of that. So if patients are having trouble, especially falling asleep at night, I always recommend early morning sun exposure. So as you wake up in the first 30 minutes, if you can get outside, I know it's a little harder in the winter months, but um, get outside and expose yourself to some of that light can be so restorative. Yeah, we've even seen good results in some of the people in those sleep yes. group classes that yeah. we're doing with, with Liz. Yeah. Um, and, and they're getting outside in the morning, they're having candlelight at dinner, and then they're feeling much better. Yeah. Yep. Sleeping better, having more energy yep. as a result. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Let's talk about a little bit more into the functional side. Yeah. Um, root causes of, so let's say someone's done their lifestyle, yeah. they're sleeping well, they have good relationships, have good resilience. What's going on with their energy still? And they're still having fatigue. So, you know, say, hey, EJ, I'm still, you know, two cups of coffee, doing yeah. all lifestyle things, still feeling tired. Where, where do you go from there? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So this is really common. Um, a lot of patients work really hard to get those lifestyle things in check. So First thing, which we kind of already mentioned, is the gut. So really looking um, deeply into the gut to see, are there any bacterial overgrowth? Is there issues with digestion to make sure you're absorbing those nutrients? From there, the next place that I would go is um, looking at thyroid and adrenals probably, which are two of the big culprits. Um, so adrenals, this relates to our cortisol relating to stress. So we just, we just talked about how important stress management is. Um, but definitely digging deeper into this is their dis- dysregulation in the cortisol pattern throughout the day because we know that cortisol will rise into the early morning and then start to fall into the afternoon, being its lowest in the evening so that you can fall asleep. 
Um, but many, because of the chronic stress that we've dealt with, many patients experience dysregulations in this pattern. So getting that's tested, whether that's through saliva or urine or even some blood tests, um, can be really helpful. Yeah, let's talk about uh, rhythm. So we talk about mm -hmm. circadian rhythm a lot on this podcast and now for day-night rhythms. Yeah. Then there's something called ultradian rhythms, which is basically the rhythm during the day that's kind of this activity and rest cycle. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I've been reading about is that we've kind of been created or built to um, have a certain amount of activity during the day, maybe 90 minutes, let's say, yeah. and then maybe 20 minutes of, of rest or, or relatively less stressful or less busy activity. Mm -hmm. um, how much do you think that's playing into fatigue where, you know, people are just kind of go, go, go the whole day and then they're exhausted in the afternoon or the evening and they're wondering why? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So it's so important to break up your day, kind of how you're mentioning getting those periods of movement versus rest. I see a lot of people who kind of group everything together. So right, it's all the work over that eight hour stress and stretch and then they'll get the movement in here. But it's really the variation there that creates the best energy reserve, I'll say, support to those mitochondria to support fatigue. I'll definitely, the 3 p.m. crash is probably what I hear the most is when patients are really reaching for that cup of coffee yeah. um, to find that extra energy. So this is really the point in time when we need to be reaching for things like the movement and the breathing, self-care management there, because that's ultimately what's going to stimulate us, get things back on track. Kind of like if we're having a gas pedal on at 70 miles an hour yep. from 8 to 3 or 7 to 3 or whatever, then, of course, there might be some people crashing at that point. Yeah, yeah. And we've mentioned caffeine a few times, mm -hmm. which is, in, you know, interesting. Um, I love coffee, so I'm not going to tell anyone to stop drinking coffee, but it may be exploring if caffeine is one of the big issues that may be depleting your energy. So we know that caffeine will initially give us a boost, but then once those the caffeine falls off those receptors, mm -hmm. then you can get the energy crash from that. How many cups are you thinking, <laughs> EJ? How many cups of coffee do you like to drink? Or How do I? Yes. Just, I'm just one cup, usually decaf, yeah, sometimes yeah. half and half. But I noticed that even just making that switch to decaf made a big difference for me mm -hmm. in terms of energy. I like the taste of it. It's just purely based off my morning routine. I love that aspect of it. But um, in terms of relying on it for energy, I do not typically recommend. And if you are drinking caffeine, typically cutting it off 10 hours before your bedtime, even longer for patients who are caffeine sensitive. That's good advice. That's yeah. good advice. Um, going back to nutrition for a second, mm -hmm. what do you think about morning snacks or afternoon snacks, you know, if someone's needing a pick-me-up, sometimes mm. people are getting hypoglycemic, yeah. and that might be a reason. Yes, definitely. So especially in the afternoon hours, I find that even myself, that's when I'm reaching for more of the carbs or the sugar, the chocolate, mm -hmm. to find that energy boost. So if you are looking to support especially blood sugar during that time, picking a snack that has, you know, some good protein in it, some good fats will help sustain your energy. We know too that balancing the meals over the course of the day, so more protein and fat compared to carbohydrates can also help to balance that blood sugar so you don't get those crashes. Yeah, you have more satiety mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah. Great. Um, I think we talked about screen time, you know, quite a bit. I know you're very interested in EMFs and electric magnetic radiation and fields. So if you want to talk a little bit about that a little bit more, um, how does that, how much do you recommend for someone ideally, or is it like zero screen time, which <laughs> it might be hard for us all to do, but yes. what are we thinking there? Yeah. So I'm hoping that more studies are going to come out. Um, 
especially with the amount of time we're using now. A lot of the studies that we have right now are only for a couple of hours a day assessing mm -hmm. um, on wireless broadbands that we don't necessarily use anymore, things like 2G and 3G. Um, so it's hard to know exactly, but some of the big things that they found is that our devices do raise our cortisol, and our cortisol is our stress hormone. Um, so they can make us more stressed, which is really interesting. Um, the other thing we know about in relation to sleep is that the blue light and also the EMFs that come off the device can deplete melatonin. And melatonin is super important for sleep onset and just sleep in general, um, but it's also a really important antioxidant that we need to support our immune system as well. Melatonin's been around for billions of years, yes, so yep. it's very important. Yes, <laughs> Definitely, yes. that's, that's great. It's a great point. Um, just one more thing about hormones. You know, I think a lot of times, and you know this very well, is we'll be checking people for cord for uh, thyroid. Yes, yeah. For thyroid. Yeah. So thyroid, you know, in the conventional type of model, they might check more just like TSH mm -hmm. or maybe TSH and free T4. We know that there's more of a picture, and we're going to probably talk about this at some future podcast. But um, how does thyroid affect energy? Yeah, so typically um, low thyroid is what we see with patients who are fatigued. Okay. Um, so not that they always have thyroid problems, but this is kind of the typical pattern if there is a thyroid issue. Um, I feel like patients are pretty aware of this. A lot of people will come to me and say, I really want to check my thyroid. So what does that mean? That doesn't mean just looking at a TSH. So really looking at a full thyroid panel. TSH, free T4, your free T3, which is that active form of your thyroid hormone. Um, reverse T3, which can block the conversion to the active forms. And then antibodies, so is there any autoimmune process that could be going on? So it's the whole picture here that really allows us to know, um, can, are, is the thyroid optimal? And how can we target our treatment to best support the pathways that are going on? So as you can see, as we're chatting here about fatigue, EJ, you've been really doing an amazing job of overviewing you know, all this for all of our listeners. Um, there's so many different possible causes of fatigue. It's such a broad, broad topic. How do you know where to begin, you know, in terms of evaluating and, and then treating that? Yeah, it's tough. So um, one thing I do like to ask patients and discuss with them is when were you last well? Because a lot of patients can pick out a time when things may be shifted. So, for example, say someone went on a camping trip and they came back with a bullseye rash and that's when they knew they were that the fatigue started then. So maybe we start thinking Lyme disease infections, things like that. Um, so, and I encourage patients to dig deep and really reflect back to when were they last well? What shifts happened at that time? And you may be able to figure out for yourself, okay, this is what I was doing that kind of made that difference. Um, so that's one of the first things. And then from there, you know, the lifestyle, the gut, doing the lab workup. So they that may include assessing the adrenals, thyroid, like we discussed, but also things like B12, your iron, your magnesium, those micronutrients that are so important to fuel the mitochondria. And we've had Dr. Frame, uh, who's a PhD at uh, GW, talk about vitamin D. Mm, yes, yes. Tell us Thank more about it. vitamin D and fatigue and how that kind of works. Yeah, one thing I think is really important that some people don't realize too is that for the body to absorb magnesium, you need the vitamin D which is so important. Yes. So, so many people are chronically vitamin D deficient. One, because of the sunlight exposure we talked about, we're just not outside enough. Um, but vitamin D has so many impacts. And I've had patients who take vitamin D who it improves their sleep. 
which is amazing. Yes. So it's not just about immune function, but there are so many other aspects that it can support. My understanding is that vitamin D helps along with the B vitamins to activate the sleep switches yes, in your yeah. brain to like so basically keep get those switches online. Yep. Um, that's great. Well, um, that's a great overview. I think that there are some other sort of not as common, but yet we do see them enough in our clinic. Mm-hmm. Just to mention as, a, as sort of a an outline, you know, I think as you said, you know, if someone has a bullseye rash and they're having joint pain, then that could be a Lyme issue. Yeah. Um, how, how often do you see things like mold and toxins as, as causes of other symptoms, but also as part of that fatigue? Yeah. So, and fatigue, I will say, sometimes there's not like that one magic bullet. Yeah. Sometimes it is the combination of all of these things, which is why we really have to think about all of So you're saying this. there could be more than one root cause. There could be more than one root cause. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that simple. <laughs> wish it was sometimes. I wish yeah. it was too. And I think yeah. patients wish the same thing, but sometimes it's just not that simple. Um, but when it comes to infections, that's definitely one of those things that going back and assessing the history is really important. Um, But Lyme is definitely one. Epstein-Barr is another really common um, infection that I see a Mm -hmm. lot of people have either had previous mono infections that expose them to Epstein-Barr that can cause issues later on. Um, And then to speak on toxins, that is definitely another huge topic. We are all exposed to toxins and we all have some load of toxins in our body. Um, The big thing is the total toxin load. So how much can your body handle? Um, So if our detox pathways are really working hard, it's going to be hard to supply energy to the rest of our body, to our brains, to our muscles, so that we feel good. Um, So when it comes to detox and all these toxins, I definitely recommend, you know, exploring your own home to see where some changes, um, where there, there are some changes that you could make. And there's some good apps that, out there to explore. And then, yeah, get outside as well to, get to detox and get some fresh air. Yes, good That's quality huge. air out there. Yes. Well, if you're looking for a practitioner that can really delve into the root causes of fatigue and do a great job with that, I think uh, certainly uh, talk more with EJ here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. I would love to. Thank you, EJ, uh, so much. And just some closing questions that are very fun, you know, for all of our guests here on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yes. And let's talk about your morning routine, if you don't mind. Yes, yeah. So I love this question because I used to have a great morning routine and then I got out of it, which I think happens, you know, we we have something set and then we get out of it. But I did mention my cup of coffee, which is a little bit therapeutic for me. I think it's just that time where I get to sit and I don't have to think about anything else. Um, I always start my day with a cup of water and then my cup of coffee, just to put that out there. (laughs) Hydrate first. Yes. Um, But that's something that stayed with me that has just been really meditative and relaxing The aroma of coffee. I just had some this morning. Yes. That mold-free coffee that we have. It's great. I'll never forget. Yeah, waking up now even with family around and just smelling the coffee. I'm like, okay. Yes. And it brings back good memories and and stuff. That's awesome. (laughs) That's so great. Uh, And there's nothing like you know, the olfactory system, the, the smell system, and it just goes right to your brain and it activates yep. a bunch of yeah. positive, um, you know, chemicals and, uh, you know, neurotransmitters and things like that. Well, I know you love books and podcasts, <laughs> so this might be a tough question, but what book or podcast are you enjoying the most right now? I know. I was yes. laughing when I read this question. Um, I love reading books. So I recently joined um, Goodreads, which is an app. Okay. I've heard of it before. I've but heard of it, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. a social media platform for book readers it's great so i have friends who follow me and they'll like comment on like oh you're 50 percent done with this book (laughs) so it's really fun and you know you set goals for the year and things like that i love to read anything um i recently read the nightingale by Kristen hannah okay um it's an amazing book it's about um 
it's set World War II and in France, and it's about two sisters who basically were part of the resistance there. Was that a movie? I think it, it is coming. It's okay. coming out if, as a movie. If it's not, it's like it's definitely movie quality, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's awesome. I saw that, but it was yeah. so good. And I think just to reflect back, like we never we never want to forget our history, like where we are today and yeah. what history has taught has us. Has taught us, yeah. Absolutely. Always learn lessons and yeah. kind of move forward. Yeah. Uh, EJ, what do you do do every day to cultivate joy? And we know that joy is one of the big root causes of wellness in terms of promoting that energy. Yeah, definitely. Um, Connecting with the people I love, absolutely. Um, Laughing with them. Dancing is one of my favorite. I love a good kitchen dance party. So just connecting with those people makes me feel grounded and like I could take on anything. Yeah, that's so great. Thank you so much, EJ, for coming on today. And how can listeners learn more about you and work with you? Yeah, so right through the Capital Integrative Health website, you can learn more about me and feel free to schedule with me. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much, EJ, for being on. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps our podcast to reach more listeners. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episodes and conversations. And thank you so much again for being with us.